0: Hey guys, I hope you're doing well. It is now April twenty first, Tuesday, and today um, I'm going to be talking about um, most of the today about one man in particular. Um, but now that we we've talked about Afghanistan, we've talked about our um, going into Afghanistan, and, and you know what I want you to think about right now is, you know, we had an, and this is from. Someone, me, who lived during this time, and we had this America had this great sense of victory, um, in early uh, late two thousand one. You know, we that, won that battle. We got really high ranking Taliban, Al Qaeda leaders. shipped them off to Al Qaeda uh, to Guantanamo Bay, um, and so at this point, you know, for your your homework, I had asked, you know you know, was this a complete miscalculation? And then I also asked is, you know, should something like the Marshall Plan have been given to Afghanistan? I want you to think about all of those questions in, in regards to, um, moving forward in Afghanistan and, and particularly for you looking back and, and then tie it together with Tora Bora. You know, if, Bin Laden, I mean, and I know there's a lot of what ifs, you know, this is 19 years after the fact, but still it's, it's a really fascinating way to analyze and evaluate and look at history. If Bin Laden had been captured, should we have pumped crazy amounts of, you know, money into Afghanistan? Would that have done anything? Um, you know, you know, we did topple the, topple the Taliban. Was that a good choice? Anyway, um, you know, I keep going back to that, my favorite quote from, you know, Charlie, Charlie Wilson, you know, these things happened. They're glorious, but then you know we bleeped up the end game, and um, I, yeah, I just I always go back to that quote in this looking at this time period. But um, basically, uh, Powell Colin Powell was was interviewed, and that he he basically said that his his model for Afghanistan was based on the 1989 invasion of Panama. And if you remember, this was the ousting of the Noriega government. Do you remember we talked about that and the Delta Force they played? Really loud, you know, kiss music. And uh, remember, I, I the one question I don't think any of y'all got was, What did they, what did the Delta Force guys get once they raided and he came out? Remember his red underpants? Anyway, um, but, but the, but Powell said the strategy has to be to take charge of the entire country by military force, police force, or whatever means possible. Um, and um, basically, oh, hang on, sorry. Um, my zoom keeps popping up. Okay. Um, but basically, um, in addition to that, so as Americans are, are making their way to Afghanistan, another, uh, American po- politician Rumsfeld basically said that European countries were not willing to contribute contri- to more troops. So America sending these troops to take control of this country would reduce pressure on Europe to contribute. So what I want to, so that, that's that kind of your lead up into, you know, why were there so many Americans in Afghanistan? We toppled the Taliban by December of 2001. So what's next? So keep that in mind. Now, the guy I want to talk about today is John Walker Lind. And if you're looking at the notes, you can see what it looks like. You know, normal looking guy. Of course, not when we captured him. He's a California boy. He converted to Islam. He's Catholic, but he converted to Islam at the age of 16. And then he moved to Yemen at the age of 17 in 1998. So like junior, like junior in high school. And he wanted to study classical Arabic. Now, fun fact for your day, um, this was two months before Google was founded. So just to kind of, you know, date myself, date him, but this is right before, you know, the world became super flat and everyone's super connected. Um, ultimately, he wanted to end up fighting in the Kashmir region. If you remember, we talked about, I think I showed you a vice about the Kashmir region, um, that really hotly debated area between Pakistan, China, and India. Uh, so in 2000, the year 2000, think of everything you've learned about what's going on in 2000, hijackers in America, the coal being blown up. And so we've got this American dude moving to Pakistan, he then went to Afghanistan, and you know what everyone does in Afghanistan during this time period, but you spend time in an Al Qaeda training camp, and he served as a Taliban volunteer. So, the battle we talked about yesterday, Mazari Sharif, I mentioned his name, um, he was actually captured there. That's the pictures that you're looking at. That's He was captured, and there was no evidence that he was a part of the violence of the Taliban violence. He was actually hiding when we caught him, but, but, big but. He's an American, and he enlisted as a foot soldier in the Taliban army. So I bring, bring this up because this is the same battle that I told you yesterday. Mike, Mike Spann, the CIA, was killed. Okay, so think about Mike Spann's family, right? Do you think his dad was bitter? Oh, my gosh, yes. You know, he, uh, so Lind, we're going to talk about his trial here in a second, um, but Lind is going to go on trial, and, and he is, this is the first trial of, like, what do we do with an American who has joined a jihadi terrorist group, right? This is really fascinating stuff. There's a book written on this. Um, But basically, Mike Spann's diet is super bitter. He believes that Lynn should have gotten the life in prison. He only got 20 years. Um, he also is super, super salty because Lynn's dad compared both of their sons by saying that they were both victims of the same circumstance. Um, Lynn's dad also compared Lynn to Ernest Hemingway during the Spanish Civil War by basically saying, oh, you know, my son, he was a volunteer for the army of, you know, this foreign government and that they were battling in insurgency. And, you know, he was there to protect the Afghans against the brutal attacks from the Northern Alliance warlords, where, yeah, of course, of course from a Taliban perspective that makes sense but come on so i do remember him all over the news 100% he became crazy famous and the more famous he got the less human he became and by the end of his sentencing's pretty sentencing pretty much all americans totally 100% supported his execution like he just wasn't human anymore um He was convicted of supporting the Taliban. He was given 20 years. Uh, He was in a high-security prison, which is in Terre Haute, Indiana, uh, Indiana. and most of his time was in extreme isolation. Um, The first 11 years, he was prohibited from speaking Arabic or from interacting meaningfully with if there were any Muslims in prison. He actually was released last year, which, I mean, it's so very full circle. I remember him being on the news and knowing he's a free man right now is really kind of eerie. Um, his case, like I said, does it served as a case study over the past decade, you know, this is the first legal case during the war on terror. Um, and so the other question I, I really wanted you to think about for today is what should be done for former jihadists? Um, I'd like for you not to Google this because I we've had 10 years of this. So there, there is infer- information out there, but what do you think? Um, but, but basically, um, it, it is, it's an interesting question of, of, you know, do you rehabilitate them? Do you educate them? So I'm curious what y'all think. Now I just want to switch gears because this is going to lead us into um, our Zoom conversation tomorrow when um, we're going to be talking about, you know, 2000, 2003, actually. And so in 2002, I'm going to leave you with 2002 so then we can pick up with 2003 today. In 2002, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, he's still lurking around. And if you forgot who that guy is, he's the mastermind of 9-11. He was the one who, he's um, uh, Ramzi Youssef's uncle. Um, He was the one who took all of Youssef's ideas to Osama bin Laden and was like, hey, let's blow up some planes. So he's still around. So in 2002, Al Jazeera, it's a uh, newspaper um, company, um, they got a call and they were asked if are you going guys going to mark the 1 year anniversary of 9-11? and the journalist the journalist name was uh, Fuda and he he kind of paused and and he was in London and he said why and the voice on the other line said because we can provide you with something top secret so <laughs> this journalist is like what so he takes the bait and so basically he has to travel to Islamabad Solo. Y'all, this is a massive risk. I mean, this is some like what yeah, he speaks Arabic, but like very Western dude by himself coming to get some some top secret? Okay. So basically, he goes to Islamabad, Pakistan, uh, he checks into his hotel and someone meets him there and says, I'm here to take you to meet the brothers. And um, he gets in the car, he's blindfolded, and then all of a sudden he's sitting in front of Khalid Sheikh Muhammad, and he's just like oh. Holy crap, right? So at this point, you can imagine a range of emotions. You're in Pakistan by yourself. You have been blindfolded in a car with strangers. And um, when you are unblindfolded, you're in a room with what the world considers like the biggest bad guy ever. So you can imagine a huge range of emotions. And he basically asks, he's like, can I step outside to smoke? Like, <sighs> Muslims typically, this is against Muslim belief, but Khalid Sheikh Mohammed tells him, "Go, it's fine." And so, what's interesting, I think, is it really shows that Khalid Sheikh Mohammed was a more man of of action versus like this like man of Allah. Um, so he has a smoke, comes back in, sits down, and um, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed admitted uh, 9/11, and this is the first time that Al Qaeda claimed full credit for 9/11. And so at this point, Foda had the complete. Roadmap to 9 11. So when you think back to all of the, or I don't know if I did a good job, but my attempt to have this web of connections and everything that led up to 9 11, well, you now have that. And if you've been writing it down or keeping track of it all, you can 100% trace everything back to the beginning. Um, I look forward to tomorrow. Please make sure you look at the questions I want you to um, be prepared to discuss. But we, uh, we will be in 2003, particularly um, in Iraq. So with that, stay healthy, stay happy, and make good choices.